ignore and outperform them. While you're over there watching me and talking about me, I'm working. I'm working hard. I'm taking things to the next level. You keep gossiping and I'll keep working. You keep talking smack and I'll keep working. You keep focusing on everything and everyone else and I'll keep working. And when you finally look around at where you are and where I'm at, you realize that you have nothing left to talk smack about. And you will lose and I will win. Hello. This is an ad. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that there isn't a group of people out there that hate me with very depth of their souls. I am also not going to sit here and pretend that I fully understand the reasoning behind it, other than the baseless and completely fabricated things that they've made up. But what I can tell you is that extreme paranoia and overbearing anger issues and your shitty behavior are a sign that you probably have worms. What you can do with that is you can go to MrsRogersHood.com, use Shipwreck 10 at checkout, and get yourself 10% off of a worm tincture kit. People having worms have been reported to cause behavioral issues, unnecessary anger problems, and extreme paranoia in some instances. And let me tell you, Mrs. Rogers Hood has something just for you. Again, that's MrsRogersHood.com. You shipwreck ten at checkout and get yourself a kit so you can live happy and healthy lives like the hundreds of other people who have left amazing reviews on their website. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Shipwreck Show. My name is Shipwreck, and I will be your hostess with the most Troy. You muted yourself. It automatically mutes when I play the intro. I'm, I'm unmuted. <laughs> I, you were talking like you were like, I'm going to do it. And I'd already hit the button and I'm like, okay, but we got to go. And then I had to hit the intro because it, it's all, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you and just cut you off. But I cool. felt like a shithead. I, I promise we'll still be friends. I promise. Yes. I'm excited for that. I need friends. I especially need friends right now because we're getting really polarizing and that's really nothing new, but good. I'm here for the friends. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. It's good to see you and a very happy Friday to all of you. I hope that you are having the best night ever with us. We have Troy Yule Hoffer. Yule Schofer. Woo. Close. That go. That was closer. So there's, it's, it's a tongue twister. Like there's silent letters involved. So it's you chauffeur. I'll sit in the back seat. Oh. You chauffeur. Uh, yes. How many times do I say that in my life? Many. <laughs> the answer is many. Yeah. I had to like double check the spelling six times when I was making the thumbnail because I'm like, man, that just doesn't look, those letters in my brain just don't go together. Do you know what I'm saying? Like so the there great are thing, words. The, the yeah. great thing about it though, is that I know when telemarketers are calling me because they'll be like, can I speak to Mr. Alshafaffer? And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> I don't know that person. <laughs> so it, there's there's downsides to having a tongue twisting last name, but this is the positive. I do not know who that is. Purple Princess, thank you so much for the super sticker. And she's here for all of it. So Purple Princess, uh, she left a comment and it's pinned to the top here, but her work uh, does donations to charities of your choice. Like a certain percentage of her check goes to donations. And she chose Unchained. It's un I'm, No, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, not Unchained Chains. Is it un Unchained Change? I put change, listen, change unchained. I did this too in the thumbnail because I had it as unchained <laughs> change. Look, I got this migraine like four days ago and I have not been right since. Right. I, I don't know what happened. So it matched yeah. 
which is the last name. If all of it's a tongue twister, just yeah. Just get a shirt that has the name on it and you're good to go. Just get a shirt and you can do that. All of Troy's links are listed in the description of this live. If you would want to go and donate, if you want to oh, go nice. sign up, if you want to go and and uh, add the donations like Purple Princess does, uh, you were able to do that just by hitting the link in the description of this live. 2A Patreon Mama, thank you so much for the super sticker. She is how I actually found you. But before I really get into this any much further, I got to give some shout outs. Heather and Scott, congratulations on your 11th months of being in the membership program. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for helping us get the lights on. Purple Princess is on her 13th month. Thank you so much. Congratulations on your um, anniversary of being a part of the memberships program with the emojis. Also, Cat's Corner. Uh, we were invited to be a guest on Cat's Corner and that launched tonight as well. You can find the link to that uh, video in the community tab here on YouTube. Again, thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for being here. Relentless Mikey, thank you so much for the super sticker. I love your faces. I love your faces. Troy. Troy, what the hell are you? Where were you from? Who are you? Where are you? Who are you? What are you doing? What are you doing? All right. Take a deep breath. You ready? Because here we go. Because once I get rambling going, you can ask Patriot Mama and all these other folks whose whose podcasts I've been on. Like, you got, you have to like raise your hand and say, hey, you chauffeur, shut up. And I'll be like, okay. You Uh, chauffeur. So right now I am sitting in the bedroom of my tiny home. So who am I right now? Well, right now I'm an active duty Navy sailor. You look at my face and you're like, oh, he's a liar. I'm not, I'm on terminal leave. I have three weeks left till my retirement. So I get to grow out the fun facial hair. So 20 years, uh, Navy corpsman, green side, most of it, meaning that I served with the Marine Corps as their medical guy. Um, But our retirement plan involves tiny living minimalism are you familiar with that type of thing or is that yes, something you a, know anything about yes it's something we've actually and we were talking a little bit backstage i researched extensively and this is yeah. kind of our our empty nester plan uh as we our kids right, continue to get older so yes and that's kind of how we got into it was when we were empty nesters becoming empty nesters about four years ago my mm-hmm. wife and i had like this midlife crisis where we're like are we really happy where, you know, she was a surgical tech, I'm a Navy chief, decent money, you know, higher middle class and uh, all the toys in the world and rooms dedicated to sports memorabilia and all that other stupid shit that we end up collecting throughout our lifetime. Uh, it really became just a bunch of white noise. And uh, we decided, you know what, we're going to sell 90% of our stuff and just become minimalists and we now live believe it or not and people mock the tarnation out of me yes tarnation i live in the south right now so tarnation's a thing uh because we took a shed from lowe's right so go to lowe's you know the sheds that are out front we took a 240 square foot shed and converted it into a home uh it's pretty nice but (laughs) but like it's like a sheet shed yeah, it is. It's a usual it shed. Uh, it's a, oh, um, is that what you named it? The Yusha full for <laughs> just sorry. Go ahead. I can't. Please don't. Like, if my wife is listening right now, please. We are not I naming think... it the Yusha for she shed. If Troy, Thank if you you're if Troy's wife, if you're listening, you need to name it the Shisha Show for She Shed. Susan, you guys, thank you so Please much stop. for the super stickers. I love your face. <laughs> we're go we're going to. I'm is she in here? 
I saw somebody comment that I didn't recognize. I'll bet it's her. I bet she will. Girl, get in my it, DMs. Probably. We'll get you. We'll get you a sign made to hang on the front. Okay, go. <laughs> how did you end? How did you? The... Yeah. Nope. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's fine. All right. So the, how we ended up getting uh, to this type of lifestyle is kind of because of what we're here to talk about, which mm -hmm. is um, how we got involved in human trafficking. And we can go down that road right now if you'd like. And it's let me say this about human trafficking. All right. Because it's a buzzword. It's a very big buzzword right now. And rightfully so. It's wonderful that all the awareness um, has come to this epidemic that's worldwide, right? Uh, my wife and I have been working in this world since approximately 2011, 2012 started real heavy, right? Before a lot of people understood what it was. Um, okay. So again, everybody take a deep breath and this story's gonna get super dark, all right? I'm probably gonna be emotional, deal with it. Everybody just know that this story has a happy ending, but it's gonna be a long path to get there, okay? okay. So. My wife and I were stationed in Pensacola, Florida from 2010 to 2016. During that time, uh, it was my children's uh, growing up age, late elementary, all of junior high, the beginning of high school. Um, ended up getting orders to go to an artillery battery in 2016, and we continued our human trafficking work. And when I say human trafficking work, at that time, we did advocacy work for other organizations, awareness trainings. If you have any military members listening, specifically Navy, we have these things called GMTs that we do every year, general military trainings. They're annual requirements that we have to go through, and there's a bunch of them that are always repetitive. One of those was called TIP, T-I-P, Trafficking in Persons. Um, because I became kind of the human trafficking guy, for lack of a better term, um, commands would bring me in instead of them doing the click through computer trainings they would bring me in to to speak to large groups of people and they'll kind of check that box for the year and what have you and that was the extent of the work that i was doing my wife was speaking at different churches uh different gatherings that would ask for her to come in and spread awareness also i need to say when i share other people's stuff during our little chat here I'm doing it with their full permission. Whatever I share, okay. I have their blessing. And whatever I don't share, obviously, they've asked me to, to not. So my wife is a survivor, okay? Um, so this is something that obviously hit hard and hit home with her. And she wanted to uh, be a part of the solution, if you will. So we fast forward to 2016. We moved to this new command. I get involved with a very large anti-trafficking organization. It doesn't matter who it was, but that's kind of when my wife and I went headfirst into this world. We're like, we want to do more than just the awareness training, just the advocacy. And outside of the military, it almost became a full-time thing. Um, we get to 2019, all right? And this is where things kind of turn yucky for a minute. Both of my kids graduate high school and they stay in Colorado which was the duty station I was at when uh, they ended up graduating high school. And I get orders out of state. And so they stayed there. We transferred in December 2019 to our new duty station. And I don't have to go over what happened in March 2020. We all know what happened in March 2020, right? So the <laughs> world 
shuts down. When I say the world, that, that included the military. And I, I hope there's other military members in here because they're shaking their head. Right. Nobody was PCSing, so permanent change of station. Nobody was doing, nobody was moving, period. And that comes into play here. Um, so in the second week of March, uh, my youngest son calls my wife and I. And um, he was in a extreme mental duress. I guess we'll just say it that way. Uh, we were able to talk him off the ledge, literally and figuratively. That's the extent right. of the mental duress he was in. And we were kind of like, um, we're out of state. He has been on his own for three, maybe four months at this point. A young 18-year-old. He thought he was ready to kind of jump into the world uh no and we got to the point where we asked him like son what what led to this what what the hell got you from where you were four months ago to this and we learned that when we were stationed in pensacola before uh he was being exploited um every time so on top of the fact of the absolute guilt and shame that I felt as a father, I, for lack of a better term, right, and I even asked if I could cuss before we came on air, I felt like a huge fuck up, right? My number one job as a father is to protect my kids. On top of the fact, I'm the human trafficking guy. I'm the guy that's going and talking to parents about signs of what to look for in cases of exploitation and abuse and trafficking and it was happening under my own roof so there was there's a there's a long road of healing that not just for my son but for my wife and myself as well so when this all happened my wife packed up her car and went and picked up my son in colorado and brought him back to Pensacola. The reason why she did that, one, we were in a tiny house. There was no place to put him where we were. And two, Pensacola's home. That's where we have a support system. It's where we had resources. It's where we could get him the help he needs. And he needed help like yesterday. And so this was supposed to be a very temporary thing. We were gonna, they were gonna come back here for six months. I was gonna stay at my command. We were kind of still navigating, learning what the hell Zoom was at the time. Remember that? Right. Wasn't that fun? Yeah, no, yuck. no, it wasn't at all. No. <laughs> so when this all happened, you know, about a month into this, where I'm alone at my duty station in my tiny house, wondering what the hell's going on with my son. My wife is gone. Um, my first sergeant told me, you know, we understand that the military's not moving anybody, but because of the egregiousness, I'm leaving out a lot of details, um, but it was an egregious thing that happened. It, it was incredibly uh, harmful and vile. Um, he's like, why don't you apply for something called HUMS orders? And what that is in the Navy, it's short for humanitarian orders. And what you can do is you can submit a package to Big Navy and say, hey, there is something so egregious that occurred in my life that it requires you to stop what I'm doing currently and send me physically somewhere else to take care of that and that be my sole focus. 
and mind you, this is the military. They, I mean, they're kind to their people a lot, but losing Manning is not something they're super keen on. Um, not only that, I was the only medical personnel at the command, so they were losing their entire medical department. Um, but because of the egregiousness of what had happened to my son, they approved it in the middle of, of the lockdown at the beginning of the lockdown when, you know, you had to order toilet paper from Amazon. And uh, I'll always be grateful to the Navy for that. I'll always be grateful for them for doing that. And I moved back to Pensacola and I finally got here in June of 2020. So when I was here before, I ran a very lucrative outdoor fitness boot camp. It was called Fixed on Fitness. For whatever reason, people paid me money to yell at them. <laughs> it was it was the best job ever. I know. It, people it, do uh, people do the I same was, thing here with me. I yeah, a couple hours a week, I just sit here and yell into a, a mic. <laughs> they just give me their money. You guys are nuts. Except, except for me, they had to do like five hundred burpees instead of tractor tires. <laughs> and so, and so, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do. I, I felt like there was this huge void, and I felt like I had red red ink in the ledger, like I had a debt to pay. And I'm not to say I'm not saying that that was the right way to feel. But that's just where I was at a father in June of 2020. It is what it is. Right. Um, so what I decided to do is I was going to restart this outdoor boot camp. And mind you, Pensacola, Florida, Florida had a lot more laxed uh, rules and regulations during that time frame. Because a lot of places you couldn't even gather outside, right? But Florida, you could. So I opened this outdoor fitness boot camp again mm -hmm. for free. It was completely free to the public. Um, and not only was it just as popular as it was when I had left four years prior, but because everybody was cooped in their home, they're like, I want to be outside. I don't care if this maniac is screaming at me to do 5,000 pushups. Um, but their payment to me, the only thing that they had to do was I brought in a nonprofit every Friday after class that dealt in the world of child exploitation, child trafficking, uh, uh, familial sexual abuse, things of those of that nature. And they had to listen to them for 10 minutes. They had to learn what that organization did and how they could get involved. And during that time, there was an organization that came and talked. It's called Called to Rescue. Um, Called to Rescue is ran by a retired master chief. His name is Brad Dennis, in my opinion. And I say opinion very flippantly, it's a fact. He is the subject matter expert when it comes to the world of search and rescue for human trafficking and uh, missing children in the world. I say that. I, I, I believe that to be true. No matter what talking head you see for any other organization, as qualified as they may be, this man has been doing it for nearly 40 years. Um, if you're a true crime aficionado, you're going to know the story of Polly Class. So real quick on that, Polly Class was a 12-year-old girl in uh, San Francisco, California area that in 1992, she was abducted from her home and she was abused and murdered. And it's a very, uh, it's covered on YouTube a lot. Any true crime podcast or show would cover that. And he was the one who start who, did the search and rescue effort, led the entire team, ended up finding her remains, and then her father, Mark Class, started this foundation called Class Kids 
that Brad was the president and ran all the way up till less than a year ago when he decided to go call to rescue full time. So that whole 40 years or whatever it is now, he was doing it 10 years before that. So somebody do the math. It's a lot of decades of search and rescue. He came and spoke at the boot camp and he kind of he empathized. He has a, he has his own story that's somewhat similar to mine. And he saw where I was at in my just burning desire to do more. And he asked me to come on one operation. It was a sting operation in Columbia, Mississippi, uh, where it's just, they're just called predator stings, where we work in tandem with law enforcement. I am going to say that a ton. And Sonia is laughing right now as she listens to this because I say this on her podcast as well. We do not do anything absent of being hand in hand with law enforcement. We are not a vigilante group. I personally don't believe in that. And I hear all and I hear people's, you know, bark back about that, like to the wood chipper. I get it. If anybody understands righteous anger, I fucking get it. But know this justice for the survivors isn't had by you fulfilling some deep hatred that you have going on i get where you're coming from but it, it it's not it doesn't pan out and and i promise if you ask most survivors that's not fulfilling what they need for justice i digress and obviously that's not something for everybody but for the majority it is so we're working with Columbia PD in Columbia, Mississippi, and I'm hooked. I want to do more, 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 more. End up getting involved in doing their big searches, which we can touch on later. Um, but the thing that was fueling me, it burns really, really bright and really, really hot. And that is hatred and anger. And that burned out fairly quickly. When you're running a million miles per hour and you're running on hatred, it number one, it's not good for you. <laughs> it's not good at all. Right. And I, I ended up burning myself out. Um, so during this time, I know I'm kind of all over the map here. Forgive me. No, there's a lot fine. here and we can go back. No, um, during this time, we learned kind of what the process is for survivors to get the treatment, get the resources they need, and kind of reacclimate it back into society, right? One of the things that was missing, at least in our part of the country, was so essentially you have the quote-unquote rescue. I try really hard to never use that word. Rescue has some finality to that word, and it's simply the beginning. It is the absolute beginning of what occurs. So right. you pull somebody out of a situation, and, and then what? It's the and then what that we needed to kind of focus on. So you have respite care, which is like kind of this transition period, 24 hours up to 30 days, depending on possibly needing to detox. You have state certified safe house programs, and that's all wonderful. And the survivors will use those resources, and those are things that were available. But the problem was many survivors have vulnerabilities that need to be negated so that they're not something that reoccurs in, I think I'm using it in the right way, recidivism, where it just occurs over repetition, where 
individuals will be abused and victimized over and over. We've seen it hundreds of times where people will go through an entire program, come out on the other side, and then end up back in a situation where they're being abused, exploited, trafficked, what have you. So to tie this all back to minimalism, right? My wife and I had a house in Pensacola, beautiful. It was our dream home, um, a little over 3,000 square feet. It was five minutes from the beach. Pensacola beaches are the best in the country. No one's gonna tell me otherwise. I was born in San Diego, so California bro, shut your mouth. Um, and we decided to sell it in March of 2021. So we're now two years removed and we bought 21 acres of raw land on the border of Florida and Alabama. We're on the Alabama side. And what we decided to do was take the money from selling our home and we built a tiny house village. I, the tiny house that I'm sitting in is not the only one on this piece of land. We have our personal one. We have two that are open and at capacity. And then we're in the midst of constructing a third one. And we have an infrastructure for a total of four. And I need to shout out two people that are watching right now. So Susan and Myers, he texted me like right as we were going live, right? So they are an amazing couple that one came to one of our searches back in November based upon seeing me on Sonia's podcast, which is pretty cool. And then they also own a company that is donating all of the lumber and delivering it next Saturday to build this next tiny house. So Susan and Meyer, shout out. You're the best. You're the best, uh, Susan. <laughs> do you know Susan? Are you no. just shouting her out for the... Okay. I'm just shouting I, her out. I was like, wow, what a, what a small world. And so what we do out here is when individuals complete a state certified safe house program, we house they don't pay it's all free of charge they come out here it's funded through our 501c3 we house them we feed them we provide transportation i'm teaching currently i'm making sure i don't say anything that's out of pocket teaching a 50 year old woman how to drive right like it's basic life skills my wife does yoga and meditation in the morning they're learning how to plant in the greenhouse. They come out, they feed all the animals. There's goats and turkeys and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, and they stay out here anywhere from three to 12 months. And that way they can learn a trade, get their GED, garner employment, have some sense of stability while learning life skills. That way, when they decide, you know what, I'm ready to go back out into the world on my own, some of those vulnerabilities will be removed. All right, I will pause and shut up. No, you're fine. So these tiny homes that they are living in right now, are they, do they live in them by themselves or are they like something that they share mm -hmm. with other survivors or is this something like tangible? Like a, so it's this, anything, yeah. It's theirs. So okay. they get to decorate the entire, each, so number one, our, what we're able to do is obviously we don't house minors. I mean, that's, we can't do that. There's right. way too much red tape. Um, so 18 and older and we can't, and if they have children, unfortunately, uh, it case by case basis, uh, but typically we can't do that just because again, laws, red tape, but each mm -hmm. individual gets their own home and it's like a community down there. And if people go, whether it's our Instagram or TikTok, it's just change unchained, like on my shirt, 
Um, you can see pictures of it. There's a big, huge community area in the center. The Susan that you were talking about, it's Susan G? Yes. That's our Susan. That's our Susan, Sonia? Oh, because see, that's our, that's like my membership Susan. So yes, I do know her. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't correlate the two. Susan, is she even in here tonight? Is she in here tonight? Did I see Mm -hmm. you? She's in like every live. She's like our number one fan under Purple Princess. I got to give Purple mm-hmm. Princess that number one. I'm so sorry. I That's didn't why I asked if you knew her. Yes, I do. I'm sorry, Susan. I love you. Don't go anywhere. So I <laughs> yes, want to say, I want to say her this. Her husband are going to be here. I, I, the idea, the, the idea to give somebody who is leaving such a terrible situation, something of their own, something like, like, cause I can, I, I, I can remember being in shitty situation and then like getting my first apartment, you know, and getting a good job. And, and I remember that feeling of being in control and being and having that. God, what a feeling that's got to give people like what a thing that you do. Yeah. There she is. We love you, Susan. <laughs> what a thing that you yes, do, because it's more than just housing or food or opportunities. You are giving them that Their feeling, that thing. feeling of that thing. I can feel it now because I can so, remember what it was like, but good for you. Dang. I'm going to cry. So Sorry. The, go ahead. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of people that will get upset with us um, because they'll be like, Hey, can we send, can we donate used clothes? Right. People's hearts are in the right, but I, yeah. we, we turn them down and I'm going to, I need to say why. And anytime I get a public forum to say that, I take the opportunity because I don't want people to think that we are looking gift horse in the mouth, if you will. Everything that we provide, I don't care if it's a toothbrush, shoes, socks, what uh, bed sheets, whatever. Obviously, they're going to get new stuff like that. But the point of it being, when they arrive here, everything is brand new. There's a psychological reason for that. Like a lot of them have never had their own stuff. Right. It's it's used. It's hand me downs. It's and it's not that people's hearts aren't in the right place, but that is why we did the due diligence. And for anyone who has ever set up a five hundred one c three, my God, is that a process? This country needs to simplify that process like ASAP. So it took us about eleven months and about four grand using lawyers in order to get the articles of incorporation and all the stuff that goes along with a 501c3 but it was worth it because people are more likely to give that way they can either use it or as a tax write-off or what have you mm-hmm. um, but that's what the funds go towards if it's not going towards the build of a tiny home each lady or male we house both um, any individual that comes to the ranch gets brand new everything and it's very very important that we do that so i just wanted to touch on that in case anybody in here is somebody that has dm'd us and like hey i want to ship you a box of our clothes and we're like don't no i i get i get that because there's nothing like and like heather said and i heather says she's still got stuff that's still got tags on it but that's the point is is that you you get the item it's in the package and you know it's never been used it's never been like it's yours like, and that's hard for, if you've not been in a situation where it's hard to understand that feeling of 
that fresh, somebody said in the comments, that fresh start, that feeling of it's, there's a security aspect yes. to it that is hard to explain. It's mine. It's this mine. stuff is mine that's and nobody else can have it. Yeah, that's that, awesome it's a big deal. So I get that. So that's that's what we do out here on the ranch. Um, along with that, we also, so the search and rescue part, right? So Change and Chain does not do search and rescue in and of itself. We, my wife and I, my wife who is a, a case manager and an intel analyst, I do operations. I know that sounds high speed. It's not, all right? So we're not jumping out of helicopters, throwing flashbangs, kicking down doors. That does not exist. Not only should am I going to say that about our organization, any organization that placates to the public as a nonprofit who says that there's some sort of a kinetic force, I say you should probably dig a little deeper okay. when doing that. Okay, so I won't hit on that anymore. But back to Brad Dennis and called to rescue. So that's the search and rescue aspect, and the whole how you and i got in contact right so the, when i reached out to you is because we just got home from vegas one of your number one fans joined me there we did a picture together and posed with the championship belt we just love mama. <laughs> uh, and that would yeah she, she's good people and it was wonderful to finally meet her in person she has been one of the greatest supporters that we have had she is just she's just downright wonderful and a heart of gold and it's pure like her her intent is not about clout it's not about clicks she don't give a shit and that's what draws me in like right. if, if it's more about others before self that's fantastic so we were doing a thing called the big search so what is the big search the big search is not uh something that goes on in a singular city we travel all over the country but it just so happens that the biggest one that we do is in las vegas nevada every year same bat time same bat channel it's always the week leading up to the super bowl and the very last day is when we stop operations and we watch the game so brad dennis is the founder of the big search he started it 15 years ago in tampa florida at the super bowl um the whole gist of that was if you've listened to anything about human trafficking whatsoever you're going to hear the super bowl is the biggest trafficking event in the united states every year is that sound familiar yeah is that something you've heard yes in the past? we hear we hear we talk a lot about sturgis here so we're in iowa sturgis and south dakota sturgis, sturgis. Mm -hmm. okay um and while it is while it is a large event for trafficking um it's not annotated as the biggest any large event period especially one that draws in uh, a, ma a male dominated audience is going to the ncaa final four uh the world series all of these things are just as equal to the super bowl because i don't want folks to always focus on we got to hit the yes we need to hit the super bowl and x and y and z so he started this 15 years ago and it started as him just being the intel for the human trafficking task force in tampa to put together nice little pretty uh intel reports and say hey this is actionable you can go find missing kid x here 
And it went so well and the rapport was built that they asked him back. And word is spread around to different law enforcement agencies that they're like, hey, let's bring these guys in and see what they can do. And now it's spread to where last year we were in Orlando, Las Vegas, Yuma, Chicago, Detroit, Atlanta. This year, we have all of those all over again, but add in Phoenix, L.A., um, Pensacola, and another one. We have, we have nine of them this year. So almost every six weeks, we are traveling out. And how it works is they're missing person. Uh, uh, we'll just use Las Vegas. So the time frame for us to be boots on the ground, you'll hear me use a lot of military jargon. Again, it's not high speed. So before we get their boots on the ground, their missing kids department, whether it be law enforcement or DFS or Aries, Aries is the Nevada's version of, of DFS. Okay. Their biggest high risk missing kids, they will hand those over to our organization about the first week of January. And for four to five weeks, we are sitting behind a computer just doing OSINT gathering. So open source intelligence, uh, many of the people that work with us are ex-military or some sort of agency where they're very familiar with how to dig up stuff on people. And if you think that people can't find stuff out about you on the internet, think again. Uh, we, we have some really good yeah. folks and thankfully so for what we do. And when we get all of that information, we get on a plane a week before the Super Bowl, we get there and whatever is actionable, we'll have a meeting with law enforcement and they'll allow us to go do things like knock and talks, talk to the family in person, do the report writing, conduct surveillance. And we put all of that stuff in a nice little report. And then when it comes to the kinetic portion, we are not involved in that. It's always going to be law enforcement. So if it, they have to go inside of a home and pull a, a, a child out of a situation, arrest predators, arrest parents, whatever it is, that's always going to be law enforcement. And uh, okay. that is a real 30,000 foot view of what the big search is. Okay. So you're not the ones that are, so, and I think you said this before too, earlier in the live, you're not the one that is kicking the doors in and doing the, the, all the heroic stuff. Is there a reason? No. And I mean, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to just, just cause I want to ask, is there a reason that you don't get to be involved in situations like that? Like what about it makes it illegal? I think that's where a lot of people have some misunderstandings is what about it makes it illegal for you to be involved in the, the physical rescue of in, something. That's going in, so let's give an example of a case, right? Because he, let's start with this ship you ready i'm going to ask mm -hmm. a question real quick i do i do this all the time i should have done it earlier when okay. i say the term human trafficking right when i say that better yet when i say child sex trafficking what is in your head what what do you murder. picture in your head murder what do you, what do you picture the situation to look like oh dirty hotel room grody old man <laughs> Poor little girl, naked. I mean, just 
your and I hate yeah. to even say, but stereotypical thing that you see. Like that's what I picture because that's what's put out is that kind of thing. And then these big buffy cops, yeah. they kick the door in and they ramble the fuck out of that guy. <laughs> then they grab that little girl and they're like, you're safe. And then they go all Chuck Norris and they run into the sunset. Right? That's the ideology if a lot of people have. If you would if you would have said Liam Neeson, you would have nailed it. So most most people and, and that's typically whenever I do an awareness training or what have you, that is typically when I call on somebody in the crowd, that's what I'll get is somebody will say something out like a scene out of the movie taken right and i'm not saying that doesn't happen it absolutely does but that's a rarity in the cases that we have seen right and this will tie into why johnny civilian here can't be kicking in a door and a da prosecute that person right right what is typically happening is Yes, there may be these big things. There may be basements and bars and all of those things that you picture in your head of what trafficking is. But a majority of the time, it's going to be little Susie two doors down from you whose uncle is using her to pay off a drug debt. That That is human trafficking. And that is a majority of the cases, whether it be familial, uh, the majority of the cases are people that the victim knows well. And so when you have those type of cases, like my son's case, right? My son came home every night. My son went to school, went to football practice, came home, ate dinner. We played Halo on the weekends, all that good stuff growing up. Meanwhile, he was being trafficked. And so to tie that back to your question, why can't I do that? So if Uncle Ron is exploiting his niece, Susie, and we want him to be prosecuted, all evidence, all apprehensions, everything, there is a legal procedure that has to take place. And if people are hopping in late, right? I need you to understand you're hearing this and you're screaming into your phone right now. That's fucking bullshit. I know. Okay. Look at me. I know it doesn't change the laws that are in this country that if I were to break in and pull a child out of a situation right now in a, in emergency situations we're not going to stand by if something actively is occurring in front of it we can, of course not but if we want someone to get the full extent of the law stamped directly into their freaking forehead there are protocols that have to take place and unfortunately for many of those protocols involve actual badges doing that the kinetic portion in the United States, there is no nonprofit that has the authority, although we want to, although we want to, to be able to do that. I have another question, and it's kind of rises along the lines of the law, right? And I think this is where a lot of people get frustrated too. What do you, yeah. why do you think we even need nonprofits in order to help rescue and provide aftercare for trafficking victims? Because this is the thing that I have struggled with the absolute most. Why yeah. is there yeah. so much red tape? 
why is there so much legislation and things that need to be done before we can prosecute human traffickers? Why is this allowed to be happening right under our noses? And why isn't this like the number one priority of every police organization, you know, sheriff's organ? Why is this not the number one priority of law enforcement across the board, across the country? Why do you think it's not? Yep. So first off, I want to say this. It's the best question I've ever been asked. That's a great question. Okay. I've been doing this a while. There, I'm going to tell you the answer. My opinion. Remember, I'm just Joe Schmuckatelli Troy. So don't freaking. Uh, it's just my opinion. But in my experience, which is fairly extensive, straight up, it's Manning. It, it, it is Manning. And I'm going to tell you an example. So there was a thing that we were involved in in August of 2020. It's the second thing that I got to go do with Brad Dennison called to rescue. It's called Operation Revolt. It was in tandem with law enforcement and another NGO out of Temecula, California. And our uh, mission was to go down if there's anybody that is familiar with Compton, California, there is a strip there called Figueroa. Figueroa, go in, Google that. It, it's going to shock you. It's going to make you sick. Figueroa is the, uh, it's called the blade, right? So if you're unfamiliar with kind of human trafficking or uh, sex worker jargon, the blade is typically the place in a larger city where you're going to see a lot of the sex workers out on the corners, right? So Compton was having a huge problem. We're four months into the lockdown at this time, right? Four or five months. Uh, there was a lot of kids going missing. A lot, a lot, a lot, more than normal. And we get there, and our goal was simply to cruise Figueroa at night between certain hours, and we were taking pictures uh, through with our, we had this whole surveillance van set up, and taking pictures of the individuals and using facial recognition to see if we could locate if these children were being put on the streets by traffickers, right? And the reason I'm telling this story is because L.A. County, that's a big county. Like Los Angeles, it's, it's got the population of some states. Their missing persons human trafficking department, one one so hopefully that answers your question it's it's a very simplistic answer for a very very huge problem the problem is manning the law enforcement regardless of the agency that is able to be devoted strictly to this topic is way way undermanned i do want to shout out ecso which is a scambia county sheriff's office on the Florida side where Pensacola is, they have three, three detectives and they're missing, and they're three of the best that we've ever worked with ever, devoted care. Um, but even for a city the size of Pensacola, which isn't that large, Escambia County is not that big, three is not enough because if it was big enough, we wouldn't be called in and asked to help all right. the time, right? And since we're local, and since we're local, we kind of get a lot of, of work here locally. What do you think is the biggest roadblock that law enforcement agencies have 
in regards to getting more manpower on organizations like this? If I were to say an answer, it would be strictly a guess, right? But I think the easiest answer, and from what we can see, is just straight up funding. It's funding. sucks, though. How does this always come back to money? These are kids. This is this is where me and mine, my, my <laughs> folks here, this is where we'll go on our tyrants because I don't give a shit how much it costs. Like I get that there's costs for the aftercare and I get, but we, we've, I don't understand why our biggest law enforcement agency isn't funded by, I would, I would gladly pay 10% more a month, a, a paycheck in taxes to fund more groups like this dude to specifically fund. And I think the majority of people would, if, if the administration were to come out and say, listen, we need to add 10% federal taxes to everybody's federal taxes. So we can fund this ginormous law enforcement agency and end trafficking once and for all is that I think 99% of Americans would get on board from the left and the right. I don't even think it'd be a political thing, but that hasn't happened. And I don't know why. I don't, I cannot, well, I know why on certain rabbit holes that I've been down. I understand, I understand that, but I don't know. I just can't believe we're not further along than that. Do you know what I'm saying? We've been at this a while. You've been at this a while. I do. And I got, I do have to say though, on the bright side, right. To look at the positive. Over the past four or five years, awareness for this issue has just, it's off the chart. It's exploded. When we brought, when human trafficking was being discussed, when I was doing, you know, uh, GMTs with the commands back in 2013, they're like, what the hell is human trafficking? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the movie, and I'll bring it up again, the movie Taken came out and then everybody knew it for that. Mm-hmm. Um so because of that explosion and that awareness, there are a lot of groups out there that do what we do. I would just tell people when you go to find a group to volunteer with, uh, to be a part of, just just vet them, just understand, just like with anything, when something becomes popular, a lot of people kind of clamp onto that because you can grift on it. Mm-hmm. And nothing makes me sicker than people that grift on human trafficking, especially as you know, with the story that we have in the story that millions of, of others have. I would highly recommend now and before the live and obviously like all days for live, I have to kind of dive into what you do and who you are. And I have to vet. I we've started vetting people a lot before we brought them on the show because not doing so has gotten us in some hot water, but you're a legit organization and with legit, yeah. you know, paperwork and legit and you legitimately, this is what you do. Yeah. Uh, so I would highly, if this is something you want to get involved in, uh, like Audie Chambers, she says, if this is something you want to get involved in, again, you can reach out to Troy on any of his social medias. Yep. You can reach out to um, him on the website, which again is in the description of this live. You can reach out to me and I will send you his way, you know, um, and what we can get you involved. I think it sounds like to me from just the entire life, financial support is really kind of your main goal with oh, this. Cause it's, it's going to cost a little bit to get people new stuff all the time and to keep people fed. And is there, so is. The, your it website, does. yeah, the website, you can donate monetary um, gain. If I suppose if, if people want to donate their time, uh, can they get in contact with you? Maybe if they mailing letters. Yeah. Or, yeah I'll kind of, okay. 
I'll break that down. I'll break that down for it because we all we're, we're always grateful for volunteers, right? So let's start with the search and rescue aspect because mm -hmm. I know there's probably a bunch of dudes that are going to watch us be like, hell yeah. So <laughs> let me say, let, let me give a couple pieces of advice, right? So when reaching out, you don't have to give me your resume on on your special forces background. I, I promise you it won't play a, a significant role um, okay. in all that because again, it's not kinetic. This work is very thankless, tedious, monotonous, and your eyes go crossed because the majority of it is doing OSINT work, data entry. That way, when all the actionable stuff happens and somebody really gets pulled and that predator's arrested, we get to walk right into the DA's office and be like, ta-da, you don't have to do anything, sir or ma'am. Here is your case. Here is chat logs. Here is photos, what have you. So I say all that. If, if you want to get involved in search and rescue, that's wonderful. Know what you're getting into. You're not going to be wearing a flak jacket and carrying around an AR and doing freaking barrel rolls, you know, off of a flaming skyscraper. Uh, just know that. Also, we're not search and rescue. So I want to shout out a couple organizations that I asked that people look up. And I'm glad I'm so glad you did your due diligence. That get, makes me respect you even more because it's important that you check people's 501c3 status. Are they doing and what they say? Is it legit? Right. So free international, F-R-E-E international dot org. That is the umbrella organization that runs all the all of the logistics for the big search the head of that is michael bartell and you can reach out to him to find out especially if you live in the las vegas area which i know quite a few of your people in here currently um live in the vegas area and get involved with him there doing the logistical side of what we do for the big search when it comes to hands-on stuff like boots on the ground being involved in the big search you're going to go to call to rescue so there's many call to rescue websites but brad dennis's is c-a-l-l-e-d the number two and then rescue so called to rescue that's when you where you would go to talk about search and rescue when it comes to aftercare that's me uh that's what change unchained does we have quarterly ranch work days where if you volunteer, you'll come out to the ranch, you'll get to help out getting whatever projects done, getting uh, things done on the tiny homes for the survivors that live there. Just know every person that comes within a freaking country mile of this property, you have to submit to a background check. Like there's no right. getting around that. Um, and we are very stringent and tedious with who we do and don't allow. And then finally, we do have those fundraising aspects. For instance, the Pensacola Ice Flyers, which is like the minor league hockey team here in our local area, they let us come and man their merchandise booths once a quarter. So we need 10 volunteers every quarter for that. If doing the search and rescue aspect or working with survivors, maybe that's a trigger for you. Maybe that's just a world you don't feel like you're comfortable working in, but you feel that your heart pulling you to be involved. We can get you hooked up in that. Just go to changeunchain.com 
and one sign up for the newsletter that I send out because the volunteer opportunities will be listed every quarter in there. And then also there's a contact us contact us tab. And then you'll hear directly from my amazing wife who will email you something awesome. Bet. With that, Troy, we are right at the top of our hour. And usually at the end of the show, I give our guests an opportunity to leave everybody with something on a positive note or inspirational. If you had the entire world's attention for the next 30 or so seconds, what would you say to them? Easy. All right. Let me unplug my phone that I was charging because I'm going to get close. <laughs> All right. I need every parent. Yeah. Just shut up and listen for a second. Look, I mean, I'm even having a good hair night. You know, this is going to be important. All right. You're not your kid's friend. And what do I mean by that? And I need you to take this. If you have listened to this whole hour, then you know where I'm coming from. When I say this, you are not your child's friend. Even if they are the sweetest, they are the best. They get straight A's. They're a letterman. They're a freshman quarterback for the high school football team. It doesn't fucking matter. It's not them you need to worry about. There are so many people in this world that are actively seeking to cause harm. And I'm not saying it's directed. I'm not trying to fear monger. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But if you allow your child under your roof unfettered access to any device that is connected to the internet, you need to rethink your parenting tactic. Is this me shaming you? Absolutely not. This is a 45 year old man down in the South living in a shed telling you, you need to rethink that for your child's sake, for your sake and for the safety of everyone in your home. Well, Troy, thank you so much for coming on. And you guys, thank you so much for being here tonight. We love your faces. Again, make sure to go check out Troy's website, which is listed again in the description of this live below to find out how you can get involved or help donate uh, to their cause, their beautiful, wonderful, amazing cause. And I'm here for it. Thank you, guys. Today is Friday, meaning tomorrow is Saturday, which is shipping Shannon shenanigans. And we are going to be talking about the dark side of advertising and what do you call it when like suggestion, like the power of suggestion, like the dark side of power of suggestion via the advertising side of the Hollywood stuff. So that's going to be live tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. So make sure that you're here for that. I love your faces, Troy. Again, thank you so much. Keep her moving. Take it easy. Tell your mom I thank says you. hi and watch out for deer. Bye, guys. Back off. I'll take you on. Headstrong. You take on anyone. I know that you are wrong. You hedged wrong. You hedged wrong. Take you one. That's really strong. Ding dong. Take you one. Back off. I'll take you one. Headstrong. You take on anyone. I know that you are wrong. You hedged wrong. You hedged wrong.